to Texans Unfiltered. And here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I am joined by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. Our other podcast co-host will be uh, joining us shortly as he is finishing uh, Civil War, so he can ensure that uh, that he can talk about it on the Patreon stream tonight. But, John, what's new in your world? Jonathan? Can't hear you, buddy. Why can't you hear me? There we go. Was it me or you? It was me. Okay, now, <laughs> now I'm going to double check my stuff real quick. It was me. I had you muted. Oh. Do you hear me now? I can. Okay. I'm a li- sorry. I was a little bit nervous about that. Well, it's okay. All right. Um, as I was saying, if you haven't joined our Patreon, Jordan hasn't seen ninety percent of the Marvel Marvel movies. And so just watching him react to him each week is an absolute treat. It is. This week we did Civil War. So, man, it, his reaction, I, I can't wait. I, can't I cannot wait. wait. It's going to be awesome. Uh, all right. Uh, we have merch. We have hats. <laughs> we have shirts literally on the way. Like, I am having them – I can have them printed right now. Should I give them a sneak peek? I feel like I should go give them it. a sneak yeah, peek. Go for it. Let's see. Which window is it? Let's do this one. Let's go here. Johnson's in the backfield, a play on the Angels in the Outfield, which is an iconic movie to me growing up. I loved Angels in the Outfield. It was one of my favorite movies. Uh, now we have the Johnson's in the backfield with David and Duke. Uh, shout out to D Texan. These shirts turned out freaking phenomenal. Um, you did an amazing job on the artwork, dude. I am, uh, I am just, just, it's just awesome. You did a killer job. Killer. So, uh, make sure that you guys look for that as we will be uh, having those out here probably within the next week or two. Um, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungAriGold. Don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts, and don't forget to follow Patrick Storm at the Patrick Storm on Twitter as well. Uh, take a minute uh, to follow us. Uh, it's the best way to support the pod. And then make sure you guys hit that like, subscribe button on YouTube, please. We are trying to grow. Best way for that to happen is for us to get to 1,000 subscribers so we can monetize the YouTube um, and all that good stuff. Make sure you guys go to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Uh, we're ramping up into the season. So as the, as the season gets closer, you guys might want to make sure you have, keep an eye over on uh, the Patreon because we're going to be doing Sunday Night Recaps live only on Patreon. Uh, other than that, you guys will have to wait until Wednesday to hear kind of our instant reaction. So if you want an emotional Young Ari Gold, if that's your favorite, favorite person on the podcast at the time and you want me to overreact, that's where you're going to be able to see it because come Tuesday night I'm kind of over it and I've watched the game film, so then I've kind of settled down. Um, Shout out to Kobo's Q, opening game event, September 10th at 5.30 p.m. Um, in Atascacita, BYOB, we're playing the Chiefs, first game. There will be social distancing, but we will be there having a ton of fun. Uh, super excited about the event. Make sure you guys are there for that. All right. Um, trying to think. I think that's really about it. Um, big shout out to D-Texan again. Uh, amazing job on that stuff. Um, all right, so John, are you caught up? Have you have you watched the press conferences? Have you, Deshaun and JJ and Randall Cobb and Whitney Merciless and Bill O'Brien, anything to take away from those conversations? Do we want to start with the big one? Sure. Uh, Deshaun doesn't want to leave Houston. What? I know. I, I I'm a little surprised by that. Everybody told me all last week. Read his comments. Read his comments. He wants out. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I'm i shocked, uh, just to be honest. I'm, I'm shocked. I, I thought he wanted out. I thought he hated everything about it. Um, you know, I guess we're just. 
I guess we're stuck with him, you know? I mean, he's just going to be our quarterback for a while longer, and nobody's going to be happy. He's not going to be happy. We're not going to be happy. You know, I guess we all just want to suffer, and we're going to keep talking about how he's going to be the Patriots quarterback next year, and the next year we can talk about how he's going to be the Patriots quarterback the year after, and so on and so forth. Yeah, I just, I mean, I guess we'll deal with him being our quarterback, you know, if we have to. There's no other choice. Um, But, yeah. No, I mean, look, we've talked about it multiple times. There's too many – there's too much common sense built into why he would stay. A lot of it has to do with the fact that money is going to come sooner to him, which is what these guys work for. Um, He's not one of those guys that's going to, like, bitch and throw a fit and get thrown off the team or traded or anything like that because that's just not who he is. Um you know, I loved what he said about Tim Kelly. Um, you know, he's excited. Uh, I'm excited. I think we have every reason to be excited as a Houston fan, um, given kind of what the offensive potential is. Um, it was just nice to hear from him. But yeah, granted, he did. Granted, he did give a little bit of backup to what Lance had released at the end of last year. How Bill O'Brien, as being the offensive coordinator, would come in last second and change things up. The fact that Deshaun worded his response the way he did makes it sound like that's not going to be an issue this year. Yeah, um, he didn't say that he changed things up. He just said that he didn't meet with the OB as often as right, right. He, he would have liked. Deshaun didn't throw Bill. He didn't throw Billy O under the bus. But when you can take the two stories, you can kind of put them together and you can kind of see what was happening. For sure. Yeah. No. For sure. Uh, what'd you take from the Bill O'Brien press conference? Catch me up on that one. Oh, you didn't listen to it? JW Football Talk, what up? Um, no, just, you know, good stuff. You know, I think the best thing that I've heard so far regarding, like, that that press conference was just kind of the precautions he's taking in regards to COVID-19. Um, it seems like Houston, the Houston Texans organization is really taking it serious. Um, they're kind of putting everything in place to ensure. I, I really think Bill has this mindset of, like, and it's probably the right one of, Whoever is the most disciplined team um, in the NFL this year is the has the best chance of winning. And, um, you know, when you hear the other players talk about how responsible they have to be and how they have to put the team first and things of that nature, it kind of aligns with what Bill O'Brien said. Um, not a lot of football talk, um, really just more around procedures and things of that nature. Um but, I mean, they, they asked about, you know, Deshaun's contract. I mean, I don't I feel like those are just, like, wasted questions, to be honest with you. I don't I don't know what you guys expect him to say. Uh, like, Bill O'Brien's like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, actually, Tuesday at 12, we're going to be, uh, he's going to be signing the contract. So, uh, it's going to be done. Uh, like, that's, that's giving him a hard time for predicting the bill, or that the Fuller was going to be healthy. Right. Like, I, I just, you know, what can he do? But, um you know, kind of is what it is. But outside of that, um, Randall Cobb, it was good to hear from Randall Cobb. Um, talked a lot about Deshaun, uh, kind of what he did last year in Dallas. Um, I'm really excited about that addition. Like I've said before, I don't really, I don't necessarily, I know this, this doesn't seem to be a mindset most people have, but, um, you know, Jordan, welcome. Hello guys. How you doing? Good. Stranger. Did you finish it? I did. It was amazing. Okay. Great. Shh. Don't tell so anything. Save that for the Patreon. They got to have a reason okay. to come. Okay. Okay. Um, we're talking about the press conferences so far. Um, we've already talked about Deshaun, Bill O'Brien. Uh, talking about Randall Cobb right now. Um, what did you? What did you take anything from Bill O'Brien or Deshaun's press conference? Anything that you thought was like noteworthy? Um, I honestly can't really remember much from Bill O'Brien's in terms of Deshaun Watson. Um, I guess the the nuke interaction, the nuke questions was interesting to me. Someone asked like, "How did you learn about it?" and he, the way that he answered it, it definitely seemed like he was blindsided by it. And I know some Bill O'Brien supporters were trying to say that, oh, of course he's going to have the input of his star quarterback. Of course, Deshaun Watson signed off on it. But, you know, we got to be realistic. We can't just be, like, one side with things. we got to see both sides. And, and so you believe him? Sorry? You believe him? You believe he had no idea this was happening? I believe he could have like an inclination that Hop was upset for a year or however long that he was, and that that could be a possibility. But yeah, I don't think he ever like I don't think Bill O'Brien gave him a final call before he made the trade. Okay, here's what I think happened. I think he knew he was going to be traded. 
I don't think he knew it was going to happen as fast as it did. That's what I think. That's very too. That's very too. Uh, that's yeah, just that's all, just my we've opinion. We've all been in agreement on that. Where Bill O'Brien decides to make a move, it happens. Which people aren't surprised when it happens within the organization, but they sometimes maybe seem to be surprised with how quickly it happens. Yeah, I just I don't know. I, I, there's no way that he didn't know. I mean, it, whether it's talking to DeAndre or it's talking to Bill O'Brien, he has two sources. He knows it's coming. Maybe he's shocked at how fast it happened, but there's no way in hell he had no idea that DeAndre was going to get traded. Yeah, that's a good point. They, they're best friends, him and Hall. That's what I'm saying. There had to have been some communication. Right. So, Especially since Hop said he knew it was coming. Right. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Uh, what, what else did you take from Deshaun's press conference? Um, What else? What else? I honestly don't remember much from him. I have, you know, I have the worst memory. Yes, you do. I, I'm gonna forget Cobb in an hour what he said and what Merck said. So, <laughs> all right. So we're on I, those. So what did you take from those two? Okay, I already okay, talked Cobb, about my Cobb stuff. Cobb, two things. Number one, um, he brought up the whole fact that yeah, DeAndre Hopkins was great, great to have a star wide receiver. But the best teams that he's been on with Green Bay, with Dallas, they got three or four guys who can come in whenever their name is called. They're always ready. They're vet guys who are prepared like that to come in and ball out. Yep. And that's what we've got. Maybe we don't have a 10 out of 10, but we've got four, like, eight and a half nines. Yeah. And, and I think Fuller is, like, a nine and a half. So I agree. So we're looking pretty with that. He gets that. And I like that the team is buying into that mentality as well. Because a lot of teams, a lot of wide receivers, like, like we know, wide receivers are divas, half of them. And they might not like buying into a, a team approach, a committee approach like this. Someone like, what if Brandon Cooks wanted to be the guy and wanted to be the wide receiver one? But no. It's clear that they've all bought into that, and that's how it's going to work. That's how the system needs to work yep. um, for them all to have the same belief. And then the second thing that was a little funny is that he said he just got glasses and contacts because apparently his vision has just dropped off a cliff the past few years. Well, he said he had contacts, but he, he just got glasses. He hasn't gotten a new prescription in two years. Uh, yeah, getting a new prescription in two years, which, and the reason he did is his wife saw him squinting. Like that, watch it. <laughs> I can I can attest to that. Like I remember when you know, like I was poor. I I had to go like four years without a prescription. And when I got that new prescription, I was like, oh, whoa, <laughs> like oh my yeah, like, god, this is what the world looks like. Um, yeah, no, I just I literally just went through that. I know, um, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't had one in like two years or something like that, and it's crazy. Whole new world. Yep. So I definitely and so the funny part about that is like. Um, I made a, I said a tweet like, oh, he referenced that, and he also also referenced when he's talking about Deshaun Watson, like he's an accurate quarterback. That was one of the things that stood out for me. Me too. And I, when I was going through his Dallas film, Dak ball placement not good, which no. helps to explain why everyone on that team struggled with drops. So he's bringing out accuracy. He's talking about his vision. He knows the drops. He knows that's the narrative around him. He knows that's the only negative thing really you can say about Cobb. So I would love to see that. Um, see some improvement for sure. Yeah, no, I agree. The, it's funny because, like, a lot of people, when they listen to press conferences or, or just in general when you listen to people speak, like, they hear what they're saying, but, like, they don't hear the words chosen when speaking. And those are, like, for me, when I'm listening to these press conferences, those are the things I'm looking for. I'm, I'm looking for specific words that they drop in there. And, uh, yeah, those were the things I took away, too. All right, Whitney Merciless. John, have you heard this yet? I'm sure you were at work, but... Of that work, I missed this one right. completely. Jordan, good. What are your thoughts on on Wit? I don't really, I didn't really take much from it, but I only saw what Aaron Wilson tweeted out. I didn't really watch it. There um, wasn't really much, uh, right? Yeah, it was, it was more of like Weaver. About, yeah, he talked about Weaver being excited. He talked about Weaver um, implementing new schemes, new yeah. formations, putting players in positions that they're comfortable in and that they're going to succeed in. And so every every word. Every sentence that has Weaver's name in it has been something positive, and it's been exactly what we want to hear, an exotic, aggressive defense, put players in positions to succeed, stuff like that. He seems like a player's coach. He seems very high potential. I like the method that he's going with. Um, and, yeah, we just got to wait and see because I think we've got just enough talent to where if Weaver is the real deal, if he puts them in positions to succeed, to play to their strengths, like cornerbacks playing a man, primarily press man, stuff like that, Blitz more, we can have a good enough defense where our offense is going to carry us and our defense just needs to hold up, right? Yeah. So I'm really excited to see it. Yeah. Pat, thanks for joining the Patreon pre-stream. I was really hoping to talk to you about uh, Warzone as I just started playing it today for my first time. And, oh, no. And now, like, 
I, you can't help me. So is it any good? So you're not winning. Um, yeah, yeah, the graphics are great. It's basically like a grown-up Fortnite. Yeah. So it's not like you don't you're not building. Uh, it's real good Call of Duty graphics, um, but it's fast-paced. I mean, it's it's hard. It's hard. Yeah, dude. I, I was dying within like I'd land and die, land and die, and like <laughs> after like after like ten times, you're like, all right, I'm done with this game because. It's frustrating. I don't want to watch the screen load most of my day. Like, <laughs> yeah, so there's there's so many like ten, twelve year olds who are just unreal at the game. Like better than will ever be. It's, it's insane. Like I used to be good at COD, and then I saw playing it. I go back, and it's not fair. No, it's, dude, like, these kids no. are ridiculous. They're like aliens. Yeah, I have a little eight year old little prodigy that just like plays Fortnite for eight hours a day during the summer because he can't do anything else, and it's just yeah. ridiculous. Um, how do you like the the blue dead hat? I've been I've been waiting to comment on it. I love that color. Yeah, it's dude. Texans color, man. Yeah, it's clean. Have you seen the shirts yeah. on a shirt yet? That oh the the wait are we allowed to say that yeah okay. yeah okay the angels hell yeah Have you seen it looks this? so clean oh I haven't seen it without the white background oh, oh that's because so, that was the one thing I was holding the back yep that's clean that's so clean I love the the I don't know like the field part of it where it's kind of like feathered around the edges yes that they're standing on that's so clean too that's we're gonna have to that's send you the image so that you can. Uh, print it yourself so you don't get charged five hundred dollars <laughs> to receive a T-shirt. Bro, it, thank God I got those waved. Oh, I good. Pulled every card out of my out of my bag. I'm a broke student. Got COVID. I'm dying. <laughs> I, damn, you said I had COVID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So we were talking about Anthony Weaver's defense, and I think it's a perfect segue into our our first segment of the show. Uh, Jordan, you have not done this segment with us yet, but. Um, this will be the first time, but we started this last year. So this is called Optimistic or Realistic. Ooh. I'm going to give you guys some topics here. We'll start it off with John. John, Uh-oh. is it optimistic or realistic to think that the Texans' offense could be a top-five offense this year? Absolutely realistic. Absolutely. Okay. Um, that's based on, you know... Everybody's saying that Deshaun Watson is a top-five quarterback. Well, if he is, then we have a top-five offense. There's no excuse. This is the deepest off- or deepest wide receiver core. The offensive line can push people around, especially when they're healthy. We've got the best left tackle in the game, top-five quarterback, and then probably two of the top-five, I would say, deep threats in the game. So we just got to figure out, you know, those other complimentary roles, um, get Duke Johnson the ball more. Um, you know, I think he was, what was he, number two on yards expected after catch? Yeah, come on. Only good things happen when Duke touches the ball. So we've got the weapons. It should happen. I think that it is definitely realistic to expect that and to be disappointed if it's not. Okay. Jordan, is it optimistic or realistic to think that the Texans can have a top-five offense? Definitely realistic. I was about to tongue-tie my words and say the wrong one, but it's definitely realistic. Um, it ties perfectly into the article that I wrote I published today talking about why the Texans will have a top three offense even, I believe, if all cylinders are clicking. And the main theme that I didn't think about when I was writing it, but I figured out as I was writing the article, which happens a lot, um, is how far our offense has come. If you think about it in recent years, maybe five, last five, seven years, what are the three main things that held back our offense? For me, quarterback play, that's an obvious one. Offensive line play, another obvious one. And the last one was like the lack of depth at weapons, specifically wide receiver. And I'm just talking personnel here, not coaching, because of course everyone's going to say coaching. But personnel-wise, those are the main three things. And especially in the past couple of years, and especially this year now, we've completely overhauled those three things. We got our franchise quarterback in Deshaun. We've got... The, the looks of a top 10 offensive line that's been completely overhauled. We invested like three first-round picks and a second-round pick last offseason. Completely overhauled. That's changed. It's a positive unit now for once again. And then the depth of weapons. Before, you know, Hop would never go down, but if our wide receiver two or wide receiver three went down, we were playing with scrubs. We were playing with practice squad level guys. I don't want to ever have to see Vincent Smith get real minutes in a game ever again. Um, and now we got four deep. So 
I think with all that putting it together and what John said about you just got to figure out how to put everything together and it's very doable and I think it's definitely a realistic um, option, opportunity. I don't know what the word is. Okay, okay. So um, I think that it is realistic that the Texans have a top five offense. Um, I, I see no reason why there shouldn't be. I understand that coaching – um, you know, play calling, things of that nature. But, like, based on personnel alone, yep. um, I don't I don't really see how personnel-wise this team can't be a top-five offense. Uh, when you look at Brandon Cooks, like, with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller on the field at the same time, like, I, I just – I really don't – I really just oh. don't know. I don't know what you're going to do. And then when you do have to account for Duke, you do have to account for Randall. Like, you do have to account for either Fels or Aikens. Like – there's just only so many things that you can do from a matchup perspective. And I just don't see how it can't be a top five offense. I, I even think on the ground, potentially with the with David and Duke, I don't think we'll have like a I don't think we'll have one guy that is going to dominate and have a, you know a fourteen hundred yard, you know, rushing year. I think Duke and David will split uh carries. I think they'll both have significant roles in the offense. Um but yeah, I mean, and then then you look. This is the one thing that really makes me think it's going to happen. Deshaun's only going to be better this year. <laughs> like, there's yeah. no reason to think that he's going to take a step back. He's only gotten better. So if you add that to the fact that he also has more weapons, and I don't know who this Chris guy is, but he's about to get banned. Um, <laughs> but I'm uh, <laughs> just kidding, Chris. Um, I, I just don't see how this team can't be a top five offense realistically. Um, so, all right. Yeah. Yeah. One last thing, one last thing to add before we move on. Um, like you said, everything on paper looks good. It comes down to play calling. And what we see, what we saw from last season is that the Texans offense, it had its really high moments. It had its peaks. It's super high potential, but it was inconsistent. It also had its valleys, its lows. And a large part of that is due to Bill O'Brien not being able to install the game plan in time, having too much on his plate, yada, yada, yada. And from everything that we've heard, it really seems like Tim Kelly has the full control of the offense, Deshaun, that was one thing I remember from Deshaun's press conference is he referenced Tim Kelly and stuff like that. And so with him having handling the OC position for as long as we know, we don't really know, maybe Bull Ryan will take it back over, but that should definitely help the consistency of the offense because we saw it last year. We could pummel the Pats, who had the number one defense, make it look easy, but then we get like skunked against the Ravens and the Broncos. So consistency will be a lot better. Yeah, and I think another thing that, that people aren't talking about, and Deshaun mentioned this, I mean, John talked about it a little bit um, during the press conference, was, you know, that Bill O'Brien was kind of here and there regarding the offense throughout the year. Not a lot of time sitting yep. down with, with Bill O'Brien regarding the offense. Now there's one guy that is in charge of the offense, that is implementing the offense, that is, you know, going through and meeting with the offensive players um, and implementing that game plan. Now there's that consistency factor into the preparation of the offense, which explains a ton when you look at the way that the team started oh. last year, right? Like every game was a slow, slow start. Third, fourth quarter, we start to get rolling. Um, so that should cure that that wound. But um, I agree. I, I really think I, – I just don't see how anybody biased, not biased, looking at the team as a whole – from an offensive perspective, can say that there's no realistic chance that they're a top-five offense. Um, real quick, Chris, I wanted to uh, share my screen. And um, oh, no. are we talking about are we talking about this this Rockets team? This one right here? I, I know it's not this one. That's I'm five to a non-playoff team in four in four games. Rockets in four? Ugh. Not sure about that, but all right. I mean, it's what it is. Uh, all right. That's only enough time. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. You guys coming off two big wins. You guys are emotional. You guys had some wins. Um, All right, let's get back to optimistic versus realistic. I think this one should be fair, but maybe I need to to change this. I'm going to change it real quick. Optimistic or realistic, Jordan, that the Texans' defense will be a top 15 defense next season? They were 20, Um, what, 22nd, right? 23rd, something like that? Oh, really? I thought we were lower. Okay. I think I'm thinking about the Maybe 27th. Maybe 27th. Yeah, there's a bunch of different metrics. I don't even know. It depends how you look at it. But, okay, for me, top 15, that's borderline optimistic for me. I want to say 15 is the very, like, ceiling of it, I think. 
I just think that we haven't added enough in terms of pass pass rushing talent, in terms of veteran pass rushing talent, because as high as I am on Jacob Martin, Jonathan Gennard, I like Duke Edgefor as well, they're unproven guys. They're young. They are getting better, but it's tough to count on that and at the next level. Um, and so also the other part is that so much relies on the scheme. Our cornerbacks are very scheme-dependent. Our linebackers are very scheme-dependent. We got man corners, zone linebackers. How are we going to figure that out? Um, manufacturing a pass rush by blitzing more, hopefully. That'll be another thing. But like I said, so so much just is on Weaver's shoulders on how he orchestrates the defense. And because he's another unproven guy, it's just very hard to say for sure that the Texans' defense is going to be top 15, right? It's very possible, but to me, it's a bit optimistic right now. Okay, okay. Jordan, or I mean, uh, John, uh, optimistic or realistic that the Texans' defense can be a top 15 defense? This is one of those questions where I, I almost want to wait until the end of camp yeah. before I actually weigh in. Right now, just looking at the roster, um, I feel as though we're one player away. Granted, that's another playmaker. It's a, a playmaker somewhere. Whether or not it's another safety, a, a defensive lineman, or even another linebacker that can really make a play. Because um, I, I just... We need somebody to step up into that role. Whether or not that's going to be Grenard, whether or not that's going to be Martin, whether or not Merciless has more juice than than he showed towards the end of the last year. Because right now I feel we will have glimpses where we'll look like an absolutely dominating defense. Um, but there's not a lot of depth when it comes to pass rushing. Um, that was a big issue last year and hasn't been addressed. And... I mean, I hate to say it about J.J., you know he's about a, always a play away from getting hurt. I feel like at the end of every play that he's on the field, I'm looking for him. Where is he? Where is he? Is he hurt? He's right on the ground. And right now it's because he's just so vital. Healthy J.J., realistic. What J.J. has unfortunately shown the past few years, I mean, granted one of these year, uh, two years ago, he did play a full season, but, you know, Every other for the past four, he hasn't. Yeah, it's optimistic to think we'll be a top 15 because it's also optimistic that we're going to get 16 games out of JJ. Fair. Okay. Um, I think it's optimistic to think that this defense could be a top 15 defense. I think it's realistic to think that after week eight and on, the Texans' defense can be a top 15 defense. But I think through a whole season – I don't think that they could be a top 15 defense. I think it's going to take a long time for them to get acclimated to the scheme, especially given, and it's going to happen throughout the whole NFL, so this isn't an excuse for the Texans, but I think from a preparation standpoint, understanding the game plan, uh, the new scheme, all of that, you know, they're not putting pads on until the 14th. That really only gives them, you know, I think 26, 22 days until kickoff with the Chiefs. They're going to start That's slow. A great point. That's a great point that I didn't bring up. It's going to be an offensive league like we have never seen for the first half of the season. Correct. It's going to take a while, especially teams with new defensive coordinators. Uh, but I do think by week eight, week nine, I think the defense will start to roll. I think we'll find some role players in certain positions. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, we see Brennan Scarlett out there opposite of Witt for the first couple of weeks as Jonathan Grenard gets ramped up. Or, uh, you know, I just don't I don't see a lot of changes personnel-wise that are going to be made early on. I think it's going to happen more in practice. And then we'll start to see new players that are kind of introduced to the defense, and then we start to see them roll. Um, but like Jordan said, there really hasn't been enough moves specifically regarding pass rush for us to feel comfortable saying that this defense is going to be top 15. There's just there's no outside of JJ Watt. There's no other there's no other pass rusher really on the team. Um, like we know Jacob Martin is good, and we know that if he's given the opportunity, he has a chance to really be a a pass rusher for this team. But you know, is he going to be in on first down? Is he going to be in on second down? Like I don't know. There's so many different personnel aspects. Like so many different decisions made around the personnel that we really don't know what to, to say. And if we're going to say on paper that the offense is going to be a top five offense, I think on paper it's going to be really hard to say that this defense is going to be a uh, top 15 defense so I'm going to say optimistic and I'm assuming because the Rockets are playing that's why we don't have so many people in the live tonight so 
this happened last week too with Astros. Uh, all right. Optimistic or realistic, Jordan, that Deshaun Watson has his best year so far as a Houston Texan? Oh, man. I don't know. We're going to have all three same answers. It's definitely realistic. If you just look at it from like a natural player progression standpoint, quarterbacks and every player just get better, usually get better over time. And it's especially apparent when players have the work ethic of Deshaun freaking Watson. There's one thing you know about him is that he's a gamer. He wants to get better. He has that drive. You always see him, like you bring up a lot, like the books that he reads, he loves like personal development. And he wants to be the best at his job in the entire NFL. You can tell that for sure. And so from that natural player progression standpoint, and then from also surrounding him with the best talent, the best offensive, I guess, positions, offensive players, that he's had his entire career. He's protected well with the O-line. He's got depth at weapons, not just one or two guys. It's going to be really fun. And then he's also going to be able to get more communication going with Tim Kelly that he didn't have with Bill O'Brien. I, I, I'm going to keep it short because I just don't see how you can't be realistic in saying that he's going to have his best year yet. John, optimistic or realistic that Deshaun Watson has his best year as a Texan? Beyond realistic. Um, but wait, John. John, <laughs> you took away his number one wide receiver. So, I mean, if you think about it, there's really no really chance really in hell good. that he could be better. You know, this really isn't up for debate. First off, okay, third, I'm gonna meet myself. Really, is third season. It really is. Um, I mean, he was hurt, and so that. First season, well, he showed absolute flashes of brilliance. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks game is one of my favorite games of all time. Whenever I'm feeling sad, I turn that on and watch it. Um, however, let's be real. Um, he, we only got a couple of games of him. Um, eight games? Oh, I want to say eight, seven or eight. I can't remember right now off the top of my head because this was a surprise question. Then here, here's some stats from 2018 versus 2019. 2018 passer rating, 104.1, 2019, 98. 2018 completion percentage, 68.1, 29. 2019, 67.3. Yards, 2018, 3,931. 2019, 3,852. TD touchdowns and interceptions. 2018, 26 touchdowns, 9 interceptions. 2019, 26 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. Every single stat, he was a little bit worse in 2019 than he was in 2018. Just a little bit. There, I mean, it's so close that it's essentially the same season, and he repeated himself. However, last year, actually watching the games, watching the film, didn't you? Wouldn't you say that he grew exponentially last year versus 2018? I'd say like better decision making, quicker reads, um, being more comfortable just staying in the pocket, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would think that um, film wise, he looked a lot better last year than he did in 2018. Uh, stat wise, you know, obviously he wasn't he wasn't as productive, but I mean, I mean, stats don't tell the whole story. No. Oh, me and Jordan, no. Obviously, we we are all in agreement on that. Stats and especially in football can't tell the whole story. However. If you actually watch him, the plays that he made when he needed to make them, um, I don't have the stat off the top of my head because I didn't, again, didn't know we were going to talk about this. But last year he had more comebacks than anybody. His completion percentage and and Jack has uh, has, has crashed the show. He's taken over. He's taken over. He's like, Dad, go to bed. I got this. <laughs> you, you just hand me the headphones and the mic, please. Uh, no, I get what John's saying. I mean, look, from a film perspective, like we've said this millions of times, I don't know if there's anybody else in Texans media that has watched the amount of film that Jordan and I have watched, especially specifically regarding Deshaun Watson. Um, he evolved as a player last year. And, you know, those interceptions, you have to wonder, like, and it's funny because the stat came out, like, I think it was last week, Next Gen Stats, like, blasted the Texans for, you know, 
the most t- like the tight window throws to DeAndre Hopkins. Like he was like the number one completed you know wide receiver with tight window throws. And it's like okay, I would love to go back and see on those tight window throws how many of those were actually interceptions. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not really. I'm not really worried about it. Optimistic or realistic, do I think Deshaun Watson will have his best year? I actually realistically think that there's no way for him not to have a better year. On top of that, here's what I really think. I think that rookie year, like the Titans game, I think those are the types of things we're going to see in this offense this year. I think we're going to go back a little bit. I think we're going to put little more wrinkles from that 2017 season into the 2020 season. I think we're going to go back to what makes Deshaun Deshaun. I think they're going to make him more comfortable. I think that they they gave him the weapons all around him. We're not talking about one guy anymore. We're talking about multiple guys that can get open, get separation, and make the catch. We're talking about guys that are all very, very good route runners. All of them. All of them. Cobb may not be, like, the most ideal route runner, but, like, when it comes to the routes he's supposed to run in the slot, he's, he's very precise. So, um... I just don't see how Deshaun isn't doesn't have his best season. I, I really can't. Now injuries play a part. Maybe that's it. You know the whole concussion thing with Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller. You know things of that nature. Sure. I still think if you know Will Fuller goes out, I really don't think this team's going to take a step back. To be honest with you, I really think this offense is going to be fine without Will Fuller. As much as I, w- I don't think it'll be as explosive, but I do think that Kenny Stills can s- easily slide in to that number two, and there will be a very minimal drop off. Um, so I just – I can't see it. Yeah, just really quick, touching on the thing about Deshaun and his stats going down from 2018 to 2019. The biggest thing, it, it wasn't from a lack of talent, like we're saying. The biggest thing, and you can see it on the film, is it's all based off the scheme. You know, his total passing yards went down, his his yards per attempt went down, but that's because we played a much more conservative style of football. We weren't taking deep shots. We weren't running play action as much, which tend to have – which tend to target the deeper to intermediate part of the field. Everything was 10 yards or less, basically. Yep. We were trying to... Interesting, we were trying to, percentage also went down. Completion? Yeah, even his completion percentage went down. Again, it's a mm. minuscule amount. It's probably like five passes if you actually do the math. But it did go down. We played more conservative, and yet even that went down. Because I feel like that's not who he is. He's a gunslinger. He wants to take the deep ball first that's why he retied a low um but we saw just like so many short routes so of course that's going to drop down the average target depth or whatever um and he and i don't know they wanted to like i i do see the point where people make like oh bill o'brien's trying to make him into tom brady i i, I kind of get that but bill o'brien he's not that closed-minded i think as people think um that was a, a thought that he tried it, it clearly didn't work and look at how he's completely upheaved the the offense around him and so like james said they're they're going in the direction of back to 2017 i necessarily agree that it didn't work like deshaun watson is without a doubt top five quarterback without a doubt so what bill o'brien has done is he's gotten them to a point and at this point i think bill o'brien's realized his own limitations and he's handing it off to somebody else that can spend more time with them because deshaun can do more I think that he kept a lot of things simple for Deshaun and simpler than he probably wanted to. And now Tim Kelly will be able to be with him all the time and they'll be able to add more wrinkles and not necessarily do things that are more complex, but things that are designed more for his skill set. All right. Optimistic or realistic, this will be the best season for the Texans. John. Optimistic. The AFC is way, way, way too loaded, I think, between the Chiefs, the Ravens, and we have that murderer's row of, a, of an opening schedule, and the Bills, I, I, the Bills are actually really good, <laughs> I hate to say that, that I think we may end up happier at the end of the season than we have in a long time, but we're not, I don't, I don't think that we're going to end up having our best record overall. I, we may have our best offense, but we've had some pretty good offenses back in the day with Shobbs. So I wouldn't say that we'll have our best season, but we'll have a really good season. Okay. Jordan? Yeah, that's kind of where I'm leaning to because of the schedule we have. We have one of the toughest schedules in the league, um, especially with that start. 
And because of COVID going on, because we can't get people practicing together, like one of the things that stood out for me was with the Cobb and the Deshaun press conferences what is that they both harped on the fact that they didn't a, that they weren't able to practice with the wide receivers as much as you would normally get to in a normal offseason. I think Cobb said the number is normally around 30, and this year they did like seven. And so cutting that in a third, cutting the practice time in a third, that's going to be tough to get that many different weapons all on page and get the offense up to speed right away. So I think we talked about the defense having a slow start. I think the offense is going to have a slow start too. And pair that with the tough schedule like we're talking about. Um, I can definitely see us winning 11, 12 games. I can definitely see us making it past the second round in the playoffs, which is the farthest that we've gotten. I can definitely see that happening, but I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm with John on this. I'm, I'm, I'm really stuck in between, and I, I'm kind of leaning towards optimistic. But uh, it's very close. I don't know. It's tough. Okay. Um, you got the final say? I mean, I think – I don't think it's – Oh, it's kind of like an in-between. Because yeah. I don't think it's unrealistic to think that this could be the best season that the Texans have had. Um, because when you look at, like, everything we've talked about, you know, especially if Deshaun gets better. Like, if Deshaun gets better, like, I really don't see how it can't be, right? If I just take that one factor into account, like, if Deshaun is better, like, how is it not the best season that the Texans have had? Um because it'll be the best quarterback play that we've had as a franchise. Um, then you look at the weapons, and you think, okay, like even if somebody does go down, there's a real good chance that this offense is going to keep it moving. Um, so not to, like, play it safe, but I kind of think it, I, whatever the in-between would be, a realistic and optimistic, I think is probably right where this probably should be. Um, because I think there's a lot of good things going in our, our favor, but I also think there's a lot that isn't, and – a lot of it's unpredict, like you can't predict, um, like injuries and you know COVID stuff. But every team's gonna have to deal with both of those. So, um, yeah, I, I, not to cop out, but I just don't know if either one is the right answer. Uh, all right, last one, Jordan. It's gonna be tough for you. Optimistic or realistic, an AFC Championship appearance. Who? You know, before John brought up the whole thing about competition and the AFC being pretty stacked, I would have told you that it's probably pretty realistic that we could see it because just looking back at last year, we were oh so close. Yeah, we were three quarters away, but we were up 24 nothing on, on the Super Bowl champs. A couple of balls bounce their right way, a couple of things go the other direction. Like, you know, we were that close. And I really think that... The team, like like I said in my last answer, that the team might start off slow, but they're going to find a rhythm. And as long as you can find that rhythm late, as long as you get hot during the playoffs, you can you can go as far as, as you can take yourself, right? So I, I want to say I want to say that's realistic, honestly, with all the additions that we've made. If things do go right, if injuries go right for us, like we've been saying, it's a realistic up, it's a realistic chance for sure. So not to go back on this, but wouldn't it be realistic then that this is the best season the Texans have that's ever why, had? Yeah, that's why I was like, where do I go with this? Yeah, I'm on the edge. No, I know. And there's and so many so many like variables, right? Yeah. Uh, here comes Mr. JW Football. He's not Mr. Optimistic on Twitter either. But no, he is not. But I understand. I understand. There's no reason to really be optimistic if you. You know, if you just look at it through the same lenses. But that's why you're here, Cody. We love all opinions. Um, oh, all right. I mean, John, and I guess optimistic or realistic, AFC Championship appearance. It's always optimistic to make it to the AFC Championship game. Because there's only two you games. A lot, you have to have a lot of things go your way. You have to have injuries go your way. You have to have the schedule gods and sometimes referees and – there's a lot of things that have to go your way to make it to the AFC Championship. We, well, granted, we've had the freaking Patriots in it just about every single year, and they seem to control all, all those factors. But you can argue, especially in the NFC, that the best team doesn't always make it to the NFC Championship. Um, there's been just crazy plays that happen in the playoffs. That happens. It's always optimistic to make it to the AFC. 
is it realistic to expect that it could happen and that we have enough talent this year? Yeah, it's a, it's absolute, absolutely realistic to think that we have that, that chance and that we have a team that we should be disappointed if they don't look like a team that belongs there. But it is always optimistic to make it that far. So it was very realistic last year as every single thing that you would want to happen for you to be able to have a path was pretty much laid out for you to make an AFC championship last year. Patriots knocked off by the Titans. Um, you were up 24-0. Uh, you know, everything was there. You knew you could beat the Titans in the AFC championship. Like, I don't think there would have been, there, I don't think there would have been anybody after beating the Chiefs in Houston that would have thought we would lose to the Tennessee Titans in the AFC Championship. Is that wrong? Yeah, well, that might be the most Houston thing to ever do. Sure, sure, sure. But I'm saying, Jordan, I mean, would you agree? Had we had played oh, the I Titans was, in the AFC Championship, would I you was ready? I was hanging banners right. after the first quarter. Right. It was over. But, uh, so that was a year where everything broke the way you would expect it to break for you to have, you know, to appear in an AFC Championship game or a Super Bowl. I don't. Uh, it's funny. Cody thinks there's a lot more variables to account for uh, than a lot of other teams, and I don't really know what there is. Like the defense, sure. Like lack of pass rush, that's scary because pass rushes win championships. So you can build your defense. You can have a mediocre secondary and average linebackers, but if you have a great pass rush, doesn't really matter. So we don't really have a pass rush. So you have to wonder. Like, that's the one variable to me. The offense, I don't think, is a variable. I don't see the offense as a variable. I think the offense is going to be fine. It's the defense that I have concerns about. But if Weaver is who we think he is, and he's able to manufacture a pass rush, then I think it's realistic that this team can make it to an AFC championship. But at this point, Cody, it's kind of like all we can do is go based off of what we think or what we've seen. Like, we have seen no example of it on film yet. So we're looking on paper. But to look at the team and think that there's it's not realistic for them to make it to the AFC Championships, I, I, I think is I, I think you're sliding the team, in my opinion, just based on talent alone. So, all right, that's optimistic or realistic. Um, we're almost at 10 o'clock, so I don't know if we're going to be able to do the linebacker reviews. I didn't expect optimistic or realistic to take that long, but um, so I guess we'll save the linebackers. Maybe, maybe can, are you guys free for like 40 minutes sometime this week to record the linebacker review? Well, we record our fantasy show on Thursday. We can always hijack that. No, well, you guys need to put it out because you guys have put out two in a row, so you guys definitely need to do that. Maybe we hop on 40 minutes after or something like that. Or are you guys going to be exhausted? Either way. Well, we think that should be. We do only about a 45-minute show with that. Okay. So. Cool. What time do you guys record on Thursdays? Nine. Nine? Okay. So maybe hop on a little earlier. Maybe do like uh, 8.30? Um, Ooh, the Lakers play the Rockets Thursday. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So maybe we'll right, record yeah, the, We'll record it. We'll figure it out once we get off. Yeah. All right, so let's get to questions with Jordan. It's everybody's favorite segment. All right. Um, if you want to have your question answered, you can follow me on Twitter at Texans underscore thoughts. Make sure to follow these two fine gentlemen here as well at I am young Ari Gold. And I, not I am John Wade. It's just <laughs> at John Wade. <laughs> he is John Wade, though. <laughs> you are John Wade. All right, let me find these questions here. Okay, so first one comes in from Bryant Roberts a little. He's got two. First one is stack prediction for Jacob Martin. We're going to go to James first. What do you think? What do you think? Um, six and a half? Okay, I, 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 I think he, I think he uh, produces more than he did last year. I think he gets better. I think he gets more snaps. Um, you know, he has a full off season. Um. I mean, he spent a lot of time in the backfield last year. Uh, he just They just didn't convert to sacks. Is it a clowning situation, or is it just a, a, you know, a one-off season where he's able to put it together? I don't know, but I think six and a half is a fair number for Jacob Martin. I think it just depends on how many snaps he gets. Yeah. Number two in win rate, like pass rush win rate. 
something crazy like that. PFF loves him. Yeah, he's with him. It's just how much playtime will he get? If he for real put on, not necessarily weight, but if he was able to improve his ability to stop the run and not get pushed around, then yeah, he's gonna get. I don't know. I'd say eight point five. Yeah, so when I when I did the interview with him, the two things that he said that he was working on, number one, putting on like a good sustainable like five to seven pounds of muscle, and like that's, that's going to help him in the run game. That's going to help him out finishing sacks too because some of those sacks that you didn't see um, being converted is just him being barely pushed past, past, past quarterback, Jesus. And so if he's a little bit stronger, if he can hold off the offensive lineman from pushing him out of the play, you're going to convert those sacks. And the other thing was that he's just working on, like, little things, little things to his pass rushes, um, just little techniques, stuff like that. And that's the same sort of thing. That's going to help you finish the sacks, like just bending to the quarterback at the right angle, staying low, little things like that, hand fighting. Um, and so I'm real optimistic about him, obviously. But John's right. It all does come down to the amount of snaps he plays. He plays the same amount of snaps as last year. He's probably only going to get another, maybe another sack or two, right? But if he's thrust into a bigger role, last year he played 21% of the snaps. Say he plays even 40 to 50% of the snaps. Like, we're not expecting him to be a starter. We know he's not going to start over Merck or JJ as much as I would love that. But if he can get up to, like, 50, 50% of the snaps, I could definitely see eight and a half, nine. That's probably the, the most he'd probably get because there's not a lot of guys that play 50% of the snaps and still get double-digit sacks. That's just not a thing in the NFL. All right, so next one is from the same dude, Brent Roberts-Little. Do you see Jonathan Grenard's performing at a high enough level to knock Scarlet down the depth chart a peg or two? Let's start with John. No, not this year. It's just so stacked against rookies. Um, I hope he does because I think Grenard can do more things than Scarlet, but Scarlet does have the advantage of being an incumbent with, you know, with a new coordinator, so they're probably going to want to keep guys that kind of know what they're doing out there, whereas Grenard won't get the chance to go out there and just kind of play himself into um, into position to see what he can actually do against NFL talent. They're going to go with the guy that they know what he can do. James? I don't think it starts off that way, but I would say by week six, week seven, Brendan Scarlett is buried on the depth chart, and Jonathan Grenard is getting most of the, most of the snaps. Um, versatility is key. Uh, Jonathan Grenard can rush the passer. Brennan Scarlett pretty much cannot. Uh, so he already wins in that aspect. Um, he's able to drop back in coverage better than Brennan Scarlett, and he's quicker than Brennan Scarlett. Um, and his football IQ, while I can't, like, we haven't talked to, to Brennan, so I don't know really what his football IQ is. He seems like a smart guy. Um, but we have talked to Jonathan Grenard, and uh, football IQ is off the charts. So um, Maybe not Jeff IQ, but... Huh? Maybe not wardrobe IQ, but... I love the way Brennan <laughs> Scarlett dra- dr- uh, dresses. What are you talking no, about? No, Grenard. <laughs> oh, yeah, Grenard for sure. Mister, I can't... Uh, I would have grabbed you a shirt, buddy, but uh, didn't have time. Ah! <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so I, I think just based on that alone, I think that he will be there. I, I do think that Weaver's scheme will be relying on versatility, and I think Grenard brings more versatility than what Brendan Scarlett brings. Yeah, that's the that's the key thing for me. Grenard, I think a lot of people underrate his run stopping ability, and that's the first thing that that's the first thing that Rack, and I'm sure that's the first thing that Weaver is going to look for in his outside linebackers. Can you set a strong edge? That's the only reason why Scarlett ever got minutes, because he could. Set, that's the one thing he could do. He could stop the run. Um, and Grenard is very very good at that. Very good. He's very strong. He's very smart. Um, and then he's a very technically sound pass rusher. His technique is on another level. And I finally, I found, I've, I got my hands on some more Florida defensive tape, found the All-22, and I finally found Grenard in coverage. Just a couple more snaps, because I hadn't really seen anything before during the draft process. A couple more snaps, and I like what I saw. He's basically someone who, he just got very good awareness. And when I was going through Weaver's um, defensive scheme, not Weaver, sorry, Rex Ryan's scheme, he likes to blitz a lot, like I talked about. He sends nickel blitzes, he sends DBs, but he'll have the linebackers drop in coverage. And so Grenard's going to be one of those key guys we need to drop in coverage. And he, it's not like he needs to be covering for 7 to 10 seconds. No one should be able to do that. He just needs to cover for 2 to 3 seconds for the blitz to get there. That's it. And from what I saw in Florida, that's what he was doing. He was just doing his job in these underneath routes, on these underneath zones and flat zones. And that's going to go a long way. So I really do hope that he 
is able to supplant him pretty soon. I'm probably with you guys. Probably won't happen until around midseason, but he's definitely more talented in my opinion. Okay, next one from Barry Allen, 899. He says, who makes the bigger impact on defense this season, Lonnie Johnson or Charles Omenihu? James, let me hear it. Uh, Charles Omenihu. And not because I think Lonnie doesn't have an impact. Uh, I just think that Charles's impact will be felt more with what he can do. Uh, long arms, quick get off. Um, he's been working a lot with DeMarcus Ware, which if I was Charles, the one person I would work with in the offseason would be DeMarcus Ware. Um, so I, I think that just because of the lack of pass rush on this team, Charles has a, a clearer path to being more productive for this team than Lonnie. Lonnie's in not necessarily a crowded secondary, and he do, his role, I mean, his role is extremely important, um, especially as the fourth corner, um, but or third corner, sorry. Um, but I just think Charles is in that situation where like we really need pass rush, and I think that that's going to be just more impactful. I do think Lonnie has a great season. Um, I mean, I don't know if anybody's talking about Lonnie more than me and Jordan. I mean, we we, we really do love what Lonnie's doing. Um, but pass rush is needed on this team. Yep, John. Uh, Charles Aminahue. Uh Pass rush is just more noticeable. Like Lonnie, if he ends up having a solid season, he may not get the ball thrown his way. You may not notice. Oh, sorry. Um, that's yeah. That's literally exactly what I was thinking. It's easier, like when you don't want a you want, you don't want to be calling a cornerback's name. Right, you you want to forget them. You want to forget that you even have them on your team because they're not getting thrown at, they're not getting targeted, whatever. I.e. Gary and Conley. Exactly, Sticky Conley crew. Um, and so with Charles Omenihu, the thing about him is he's already the best interior pass rusher on the team. You know, Brandon Dunn, Angel Blackson, even rookie Ross Blacklock. People love his potential. He's an athletic freak. He showed some nice flashes at TCU, but Charles Omenihu's better. He was a great. I kind of like think of him as like a sixth man for us last year. He came in on third downs. He was supercharged. He was energized to go, and he just bull rushing interior offensive linemen. That length that he's got, he plays with really good leverage too. It's something to watch. And like you've harped on, working with D. Ware, his hand technique is only going to get better. And Charles is another guy on this team who he's a worker. He's a grinder. He wants to be the best. He's motivated by being drafted in the fifth round. He fell like no one thought that he would. We got ourselves a steal. We got ourselves a great player. And I think statistically-wise and and by the eye test as well, he's going to have a bigger impact. He's primed for a huge role. He's so, so important for this defense because we need that interior pass rush. We need a big time. That's what's going to help Merck the most, and that's what's going to help all of our outside rushers the most. If you have interior pressure, quarterbacks can't step up in the pocket. And it just makes your ed- job as an edge rusher so much easier. So got to go with Omenahu as well. Now got one more from Mark Kubeska. Sorry if I pronounced that wrong, but he says, who do you have a, who do you see having a bigger impact this season? Duke edge of four or Jonathan Grenard? I think a lot of people are sleeping on Duke. John, what do you think about them? I, not sure. Um, I really like Duke Etchafor. I really do. Um, he showed quite a bit before he got hurt. Granted, he was just a rotational player. And I think part of it, though, is he had such a great preseason game against the Chiefs that just kind of has um, cemented itself in your head. But... You said Grenard, correct? Yes. But I think Grenard, he showed enough in his ability to be a pass cover and to do pass coverage. that The Texans actually drafted him because of that at the Senior Bowl. So just because of his flexibility, I think that he keeps, like James said, I think he ends up replacing Scarlett as the starter and he keeps Duke off the field. He may even keep your boy Jacob Martin off the field because he'll show enough versatility that while he may not be a he may not be a plus-plus pass rusher. He'll be a plus pass rusher and a plus coverage, which, you know, that's enough to keep 
keep himself on the field. James? I think uh, I think Jonathan Grenard. Um, I think coming off an injury this season, uh, just given the significance in the pandemic, it's, it's going to be really hard for Duke to carve out a role. Even though he's battling against a rookie, um, as I said before, I think the versatility is really going to play into why Grenard gets snaps early uh, and late. Uh, and, you know, I love Duke. I, we all love Duke. He he was, you know, he showed so many flashes as a pass rusher in the preseason. Um, but I just don't know if they're going to roll the dice on a guy who's been hurt two years in a row. And to me, that's really the only thing it comes down to, especially in a season like this, right? Do you really want to hold another roster spot for a guy that is going to potentially get hurt? Right, because that's all you've seen. It's not like we're talking about Will Fuller, right? A guy who has the potential of being a number one wide receiver and has shown it on on a lot of occasions. Duke has only ever really demonstrated that in preseason. So, uh, unfortunately, I think it's Grenard. Yeah, I'm with you all both. Um, I see a lot of people are really high on Duke, and we are too. I kind of see him as the Dylan Cole of the D-line. You know, whenever he plays, he's pretty damn good. But we just haven't seen enough, and Grenard's a really great dude. And the other thing with Duke, I just watched his his 2018 tape. That's what it was. His first game against the Titans, I think it was week two against the Titans, and the, he only rushed from the edge on two snaps, two snaps the entire game. The rest of the game, he was on the interior. And that's because of the depth that we had on the edges, right? J.J. Watt, Whitney Merciless, and J.W. Clowney. On those two um, pass rush reps, one was a sack and one was a hit. He's a killer on the edge. Like, he is really, really good. But throughout the rest of the season, I barely ever saw him back on the edge. They had to line him up over the interior to try and get him on the field and see what he can do. And he's just not that guy on the interior. That's what a lot of people guys, like, they're edge rushers for a reason. Not every single guy is Jadeveon Clowney. You can't line up every single dude over the A-gap and just you're just going to run over a guard like that. It's, it's, it's not how it works. And so as great as Duke is, I find it harder to to see him carving out a role compared to Grenard because, like we've been saying, he's just not his first stop. He's a pass rush specialist. He's damn good at what he does, but we need more than that. And y'all, y'all have said it basically, so I don't got to go much more, but that's basically it for me. So Grenard as well. All right. That's, that's it for me. That's all the questions I got. Okay. All right. Uh, so we're going to wrap up and head to the Patreon conversation. But before we do that, uh, Jordan, what do you have on the site this week? And on so your YouTube and all of that stuff as well. Okay, okay. So let me say, what did I do this week? Let me look at my schedule. You, you okay. did the Rams yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Yesterday or Monday, did a YouTube video about comparing. So James brought up the idea in Slack. He talked about that. Or was it on Twitter first? I don't remember which one the first, but you, you showed like the the weapons, the stats between the twenty eighteen Rams offense and twenty twenty Texans offense. And they're very similar. You know, you've got a strong O line, you've got a very good running back, you've got depth at wide receiver, not one star guy, you know, your best guy is still Brandon Cooks, but you got serious depth. And then the big difference here is Deshaun Watson versus Jared Goff, right? And so there's a lot of optimism around the offense being built like that Rams offense and even being potentially better because the quarterback is what drives the offense. And so I made a video showing all the similarities we've got. You know, we've got deep threats like Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller, like they did. We've got a really good wide receiver too, Robert Woods, Kenny Stills. They're very similar type of players. And we got a great slot wide receiver, Cooper Cup, Randall Cobb. So made that video. Great breakdown. It's one of my most fun breakdowns I've done. Um, go check that out on the Texans Unfiltered YouTube channel. Then... Uh, what did I put out today? I put out top three right, offense. Probably gonna top three offense. Talked about that earlier. Go check that out for sure. And then I did a Arian Foster breakdown. And then tomorrow will be Watson Watch weeks fourteen to sixteen. So last last three games of the season. Um, pretty fun. It's been a long journey. We started in twenty seventeen, Ricky Deshaun. We've made it basically to the end now, and the growth. Is definitely you can see the growth. It's documented. I've written so many articles over the past over the summer about literally every single game he's played in. So go check out that series. Um, it'll be fun for sure. And 
I think that's it. That's all I got. Sweet. All right. Uh, guys, make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungRAGold. You can follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts. You can follow Patrick Storm at the Patrick Storm on Twitter. Uh, you can obviously go to our website and watch and see all of our amazing writing being done by Jordan um, at TexansUnfiltered.com. Make sure you guys go to the Patreon, uh, patreon.com backslash TexansUnfiltered. Make sure you guys hit the like and subscribe button. That is what we are here for. If you got, We're getting close to football season. If you want to be in the know, you need to like and subscribe. It's just the way it works. Uh, and with that being said, I am Young Ari Gold. I'm signing off for Texans Unfiltered. We will catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.